Hey, everybody, Andy Hamilton of Track Wrestling coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in downtown Waterloo, Iowa. I'm joined again by our rankings with David Mirakatani for another edition of The Breakdown. Welcome back to the U.S. of A., David. Are you recalibrated? Have you figured out what day it is yet? I Yeah, I am, but uh, there's a lot of people, my friends back here at home, that were laughing at me because every conversation started out with what day and what time is it there. So it makes you feel really dumb really fast, that's for sure. Well, let's get to it. We're going to take a run through 125 through heavyweight and the big movement that occurred in the rankings there. Not a ton of results to break down from the previous week on the map, but uh, we'll get it going at 125 pounds. And the big news here is Stanford's Connor Schramm is moving up to 133. So the top 11 remain the same. There's not a whole lot to talk about here on the results front. But Thomas Gilman, top-ranked 125-pounder from Iowa, ran his record to 8-0 with five pins and three techs. Now, after teching Iowa State's Marcus Simmons 19-4 to on Saturday night, Simmons got hit twice for stalling as he took his time coming back to the center before the start of the third period, which set up a gem of a Gilman quote. Tony, just talking about beating guys to a pulp. What's that like between periods when a guy stands down on his knee and doesn't want to get back in the circle? It just adds my fuel, adds fuel to my fire. I kind of feel like I kind of siphon his gas and put it in my gas tank. When a guy's sitting there and kind of stalling and not wanting to wrestle, it, it kind of fires me up a little bit. Because, I mean, these guys come here and they say they want to wrestle, but do they want to wrestle? I mean, they go out there and they kind of sit on their butt and they stall and they don't want to come back to the center. So it, 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 you know, I'm getting fired up now. You know, these guys want to wrestle, but do they want to wrestle? I don't know. They want to wrestle kind of their match and where they're comfortable. I, I take them to where they're uncomfortable. I take them to deep water. Um, you know, people don't like being uncomfortable. I love being uncomfortable. Yeah. How do you get comfortable being uncomfortable? How do I become comfortable? How, yeah, how did you become comfortable I, being uncomfortable? I do the inconvenient things and make the convenient things convenient. I, you know, I put myself in positions every day to, to improve my, my mind, my body, my conditioning, my wrestling. Um, always making myself uncomfortable, whether it's in social situations or wrestling situations or conditioning situations. I'm always testing the limits. At 133, one through nine remain the same. Lehigh Scotty Parker knocks off Drexel's Kevin DeVoy. So DeVoy falls from 10 to 17. Parker goes up a notch to number 16. Connor Schramm slots in at number 14 after coming up from 125. At 141, Princeton's Matthew Kalazic continues to build his freshman of the year candidacy. He remains unbeaten after downing Lehigh's Randy Cruz. Kalazic jumps up to number three while Cruz falls to number four. Also of note, Nebraska's Colton McChrystal had a tough assignment over the weekend as the Huskers went on the road. He falls against number five, Kevin Jack, on Friday and against number nine, Joey Ward, on Saturday. At 149, status quo in the top 10 and very little movement throughout the top 25 at 157. This one we'll get to later in the show, but big changes here after three season-ending injuries. North Carolina State's Max Roshkoff and Rutgers' Richie Lewis are done for the year. So two top 10 guys are out. Also some tough news out in Northwestern. The Wildcats announced that Bryce Brill's career is over due to injury. Such a heartbreaking situation there to see a guy with so much promise never really get the opportunity to fully showcase his talents on the college stage. On the results front, 
Minnesota's Jake Short continued his recent hot stretch with a win against Michigan's Brian Murphy. Short was on the verge of falling out of the top 25 a couple weeks ago. And after winning the Cliff Keen Las Vegas Invitational and beating Murphy, he's suddenly in the top 10 now at number nine. We haven't spent a whole lot of time this year talking about Nebraska's Tyler Berger, but he's quietly putting together a pretty nice season. I know Berger was a guy that uh, Jordan Burroughs was super high on this year or or a year ago, and he had an up-and-down regular season last year before he started putting together at the end, and he finished as a rounded 12 guy at the national tournament. Berger is undefeated this year, and he's up to number four in the rankings. Nebraska coach Mark Manning talked about Berger's growth this season. He, he had a really good end of the year. He had a good national tournament. He beat a couple guys that had beat him, and he just. Um, but I think he's a lot tougher. You know, he's just a lot more mentally focused on on what he needs to do be, to be successful. And he's, um, you know, technically he's got a lot better in all three areas, and um, that's going to help him along the way. But but just. Um, just being more hardened, you know, he's, um, yeah, he is, he's a lot more consistent and, um, uh, he's, he's really putting a lot of work over the years. So he, he, he should be, should be good to go. At 165, no changes in the top 22 at 174, Minnesota's Nick Wanzek takes out Michigan's miles and mean, who was, a pretty good role going into that match. Amin remains in the top 10, dropping one spot to number nine, primarily on the basis of what he had in the bank going into that bout, while Lehigh's Ryan Preesh slides up a spot to number eight. At 184, no changes in the top 10. Princeton's Ian Baker suffered a pair of defeats over the weekend, so he slides from 11 to 16. We talked on last week's show about the possibility of a top 10 showdown between Iowa Sam Brooks and Iowa State's Pat Downey, but that match never materialized Saturday night in Iowa City. Kevin Jackson explained why he didn't use Downey in that dual meet. Um, you know, my, my, my plan was um, I didn't want to use him, really. Um, if, if Leland wins, I probably would have thrown him out there. Um, but he's not trained. He hasn't trained a whole lot. He is coming off an injury. Um, and he had wrestled that kid a couple times before, so he actually knew he actually knew what he was capable of doing with him, whether he's in great shape or when he, whether he's not in great shape. So if Leland wins, I might throw him out there, but we're also thinking that Marcus is going to probably have a little stronger match than he had, so it really wouldn't have, wouldn't have mattered. I think the smart thing, the smart thing for me was I, I need him for the second half of the season. I don't need him to get injured in a dual meet um, against a number two ranked team in the country. Um, get injured, and then he can't wrestle in the Midlands, and he can't wrestle Arizona State, he can't wrestle Oklahoma. I, I, I didn't want to put him in that position. I didn't want to put our team in that position. So in the back of my mind, I never really wanted to throw him out there. Um, but we win those three matches, I'll probably throw him out there. <laughs> you know, that's just that's just me trying to win a trying to win a dual meet. But um, but I'm happy um, that we didn't have to use him. Um, um, I still think we had a great chance to um, pull this upset off with those guys go get that takedown in the third. Fortunately, you know, we didn't get it. At 197, no changes in the top 17. CSU Bakersfield's Matt Williams pops into the rankings at number 18. Probably the most interesting thing that happened here came Thursday night in Columbus when Ohio State freshman Colin Moore had Jaden Cox on the ropes a little bit late. 
Cox didn't surrender a takedown on his way to the bronze at the Olympics, but Moore got to him a couple times late before dropping a six to four decision. Jaden talked about the match afterward. I'm not going to take anything away from him. You know, he wrestled me the best of his ability, and he dang, dang near it almost came out with it. You know, I mean, but you know, I, I know that I have an, I'm a competitor as well, and you know, I mean, it's not going to be taken from me easily. And um, I also know that there are things I need to work on and figure out right now. Especially the second season, this great Travell came and talked to me about you know how I was wrestling, and you know, he's like, you're better than that, and that's not it. So you know, and he's right, and um, it meant a lot for me to, to hear that from from him. And, at heavyweight, not a whole lot of movement here, but one upset changed things around around a little bit in the top ten. SIU Edwardsville's Jake McKiernan handled Brooks Black of Illinois. Black falls from number four in the rankings down to number 11, and everyone else in between slides up. And this sort of brings us to our first discussion point. Iowa's Sam Stoll has yet to wrestle a match this season, and he's gone from number eight up to number four over the course of the last seven weeks. Not to single out Stoll because there are other examples as well. Two of the top three guys at 157, Oklahoma State's Joe Smith and Cornell's Dylan Palacio, have yet to compete. I had a conversation Sunday night with Nebraska coach Mark Manning. His team is off to a terrific start. The Huskers are 7-0. and They've yet to drop more than three matches in a duel. He says this is collectively the most improvement he's ever gotten out of a team from one year to the next. I asked him how good are the Huskers, and he brought up the rankings. Well, I don't know. I don't understand rankings, so I don't. I don't. I don't see what people look at. But uh, you know, <laughs> we were seventh in the nation last year, or whatever, and we we didn't get worse. So I don't know where people people's opinion perspective is a little different. Different, but um, you know, I know what this group's about, so. I don't think there's anyone who we're too afraid of. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why would you? You know what? You know we. But a lot of team, a lot of programs have a little bit more hype than we we do, and uh, that's all right. So you got to go and earn it. And uh, but uh, you know we're we're not we're not fearing anyone by any means. So we're not afraid of anyone. So you know uh, we're gonna we're gonna come to. We're going to come to wrestle and, uh, you know, give our guys the best chance to win. Last year was last, last year. And so, you know, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. And so <laughs> it's all going to play out. So uh, I'm not too worried about it. But I think sometimes uh, some programs and some kids get a lot more hype and a lot more, you know, because they wrestle for – this team or that team, they're automatically ranked. They're not even, they haven't even beat any guy. And we have some guys that have been juniors or seniors and they, they don't get the same love, but you get the love come March. And so we know that and that's how I build my team. And, but uh, I just think there's, you know, I don't know what people are looking at, but uh, I know what I'm looking at. I, I'm looking at a really good team. So, So what are you looking at, David? Well, I think if you want to talk about doing overall rankings, you know, this is something when we first talked about doing this, were we going to have a hard and fast rule about with guys if they were out a certain amount of time? And then we thought, well, maybe Kyle Snyder wouldn't wrestle because he wrestled a a pretty light schedule last year. Hasn't been the case this year with Tavanello being hurt. We knew that uh, Martinez wasn't going to wrestle early on, and if he had made the world team, you know, wouldn't have wrestled at all, probably 
even up to this point. Uh, it's so hard because when you do the individual rankings, you rank them just based on, you know, performance. That's not just this year, but previous years. But you have to be aware that if you take a Sam Stoll out of the lineup completely, it drastically changes the team score. If you take Dylan Palacio out, it drastically changes where Cornell's ranked. Uh, there's multiple examples, you know, Missouri with uh, at 141 with Manley. And, you know, up and down the lineup, there's all these different guys. And it, it's a really hard decision. Um, I think you and I have talked about, and what I feel comfortable is if, if they don't wrestle by scuffle, they they got to come out. And, you know, maybe the one exception is Stoll, where Coach Brand said he's going to wrestle Michigan on January 6th, I believe. And there's no reason to, to disbelieve Coach, so we'll, we'll go with that. But if he doesn't wrestle at that point, the assumption has to be that the injury is, is more serious than than what's been let on. And, and you know, I coached for a long time, and, and if you know a guy's injured, you do what you can to protect him. And no matter how bad it is, you generally downplay it so that that kid doesn't have a competitive disadvantage. So I wouldn't expect these coaches to do anything different. You know, so it doesn't make it an easy job. Coaches don't come out and say, this guy's injured this badly and will be out this long, and so here you go. It, it's just not that way. And you take a look at the spreadsheet that we put together every week, and not only does it have our rankings, but it has where we had these guys ranked every other week, and we also have rankings from other sources, and we do that. So if we miss something, if somebody else has somebody ranked really highly, we take a look at that because there are so many data points. Um, I know I'm not perfect. I know there's things that have to be missed in the course of doing this every week. And if everybody else has a guy ranked higher or lower, you have to look at those, you know, that guy's performance and make sure that, you know, you didn't make a mistake. And if you did make a mistake, you just have to admit it and make the adjustment and go on the radio and talk about it. Well, that's one of the things that I really respect about what you're doing with this is, is you haven't been afraid to own up to a mistake. If there's something that you've gotten wrong one week, it doesn't fester for five or six weeks and, and we try to sweep it under the rug. We, you know, make an immediate adjustment to it. That's what you've done. And, and uh, I, I think that ultimately that's, that's the way to go. Um, you know, we also want to talk about duels on this show. We, we haven't touched upon the duels a whole lot to this point, but uh, you know, there were some terrific matchups over the course of the last week. We had NC state, Nebraska, we had Mizzou, Ohio state, we had Iowa, Iowa state. And granted there were a lot of the top individuals from those schools were out and we didn't get to see some of the top matchups that we might've seen, you know, potentially later in the year. But uh, what were your main takeaways from, you know, the, the top duels on the schedule a week ago? Well, even though I was in Dubai, I'm from Missouri, so I was disappointed that Ohio State and Missouri didn't get all the matchups we wanted to see. I really wanted to see Mays and Jordan, and that would, you know that match didn't materialize. 125 didn't materialize. 141 didn't materialize, and 184 didn't. Although we had a pretty good idea that Miklas was, you know, his injury was going to keep him out, but we didn't know about how bad McGee was hurt, how bad Manley's hurt. And that's a perfect example. I think Mizzou is a consensus top six, seven team at worst. If you drop all those guys that are injured out of the rankings, they drop to probably 10 or 11. I'd have to do the math. But, you know, so that was disappointing. I think the other thing is if you just look at the dual meet rankings now that, uh, that in the coaches poll, you know, the 
if you look at the, you know, one and two or Big Ten or non-Big Ten, Big Ten, three, four, five, six, two Big Tens, two non-Big Tens, seven, eight, Big Ten, non-Big Ten, and then nine, 10, 11, 12, non-Big Ten, non-Big Ten, two Big Ten. So obviously there'll be movement, but as of right now, it's pretty easy to see where the top six duels would be, and it would be some amazing matchups. So um, I know you and I have talked about it, and it's pretty exciting when you look at the duels coming up ahead. But it's assuming everybody's healthy, we're going to have some barn burners in January and February leading leading into that national dual meet series. What are you most excited about from a dual standpoint looking ahead to that month? I think, you know, the Iowa, the Iowa, Ohio State, Penn State matches. Um, I know Missouri dueled Oklahoma State. I don't remember when, but I know they do. I know Oklahoma State dueled Iowa. And I think you probably have this from memory better than me, but I think Iowa, if I'm if I'm saying this correctly, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they duel Oklahoma State, Penn State, and Ohio State in some order over the course of like 14 or 21 days. Is, is that right? Yeah, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, I, I think no matter how they do, they're going to be awfully battle-tested. And Iowa's an interesting team, like, you know, the – they haven't pulled Marinelli out of redshirt yet. They haven't had Stoll wrestle yet. Um, but they're wrestling awfully well. 25's wrestling well, 33. Nobody really knows how bad Clark's injured, but he's a stud. Sorensen's been really steady. Kemmer's had, has been tested, but has been very steady. Meyer and Brooks have been really steady. So, you know, if they get something out of Carton and they get something at 97 and they get Stoll back, nobody's not enough people are talking about them winning it, but they could win it. They got a lot of guys that can medal, and they got three guys right now that you, you think are probably in the finals. And Gilman, you mentioned it earlier, has really, really stepped up his bonus point rate to the point that, you know, he can compete on the bonus point level with, you know, some of the kids from Penn State or, you know, probably Oklahoma State's top bonus getter. And, and that's what it, when you look at it from a team race, from the outside, that's kind of how you got to match it up. Like, okay, Gilman versus Zane, and go on down the line. And, you know, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I think Penn State's top three are going to outscore everybody else's top three. So you have to look at four through ten, which of those teams can beat Penn State in their four through ten, and can they beat them by enough, probably by between 10 and 15 points, because that's what it's going to take. I mean, I would, I would set Nolf probably scored 28 points. Zane to score 28 points and, and nickel probably to score 20. And that's if he doesn't win it. So you're talking about 75, 76 points, give or take. That's a lot for just three guys. I mean, that you'd place fifth at the nationals with just those three guys almost every year. So it's going to be really interesting to see who can match up with that. But a Gilman's the kind of guy you think can score 25, 26 points. So that, that puts Iowa right back in it when you match up with those guys because Iowa's 10th tenth, tenth best guy is pretty darn good. So it's, it's just an interesting matchup how these teams, some of them are very top-heavy. Iowa and Oklahoma State are really balanced. Um, and Ohio State's kind of in the middle where they got some studs. They got some guys that can, you know, that can win it for sure. They got some guys that can All-American. And they got some guys right now that would really have to step up, you know, based on how they've record to All-American. So... Really interesting how this season's going to play out so far. 
You mentioned Iowa's schedule for January and January 6th at Michigan, January 15th at Oklahoma State, January 20th at home versus Penn State, January 27th at home versus Ohio State. So every weekend in January, the Hawkeyes are facing somebody you know, right there. If not in the top five, you, know, you got Michigan in the top 15 or thereabouts. Um, so, so they're going to face the gauntlet, the Hawkeyes. Uh, 26 to nine winners Saturday night against Iowa State. Iowa won seven to ten matches. Picked up uh, two Tech falls and a major decision. Uh, tech falls from Sam Brooks and Thomas Gilman. A major decision from Brandon Sorensen. But Tom Brands was not overly pleased with the performance. We were in some holes, and the good thing is we bailed ourselves out of some holes. Um, but I'll say this, I heard you know, something John Smith said after his duel with Oklahoma, and you know, it's pretty true here too, we're not just trying to beat Iowa State, we're trying to close the gap on the best teams in the country, and because we're not the best team in the country, and we got a lot of work to do if that's the case. That was a uh, very close duel, even though the score was lopsided. And, you know, there's some tough situations that we did not wrestle through, and that is a concern big time. And Tom Brandt sets us up a little bit there with bringing up Oklahoma State, John Smith, and the Cowboys are going to face Cornell in the big duel on the schedule this weekend. Also, Reno Tournament of Champions coming up. David, what do you have your eye on going into the weekend? Well... I, you know, I talked to you, and I was really excited about Reno. And then you told me that it doesn't look like Okie State's going to send their starter, so it's kind of tough. Penn State, you know, isn't going to hit their guys, and there was a ton of exciting matchups there. Um, you know, Cornell is a little banged up right now, so at 25, we're not going to get Macri against Pincinini. But 33, we should get Cade Brock and uh, Mark Gray. And, you know, that's that'll be a good match. Um, you know, 49, we should get uh, Colica and Galasso. So, you know, and then at heavyweight, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see. I mean, I've known Austin Schaefer for, for a long time, and he's a, you know, he's a kid that's persevered and done a great job, and so he'll get to wrestle Sweeney. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma State's wrestling awfully well, and it's, you know, those guys know how to peak their guys, but they found a way to wrestle good early. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep this going. It, it's, but it's dead week. You know, it's finals week. You know, this week, the changes in the rankings I would ex- expect would be minimal. The week after that, almost nothing. And then, then chaos. Because you just know that there's going to be upsets with that many good guys at Midlands and at Scuffle. And, uh, you know, I better not drink too much eggnog because January 2nd is going to be a busy day putting the rankings together for sure. For sure. And you mentioned Oklahoma State versus Cornell in the matchups there. Let's not forget 184 pounds, even though Gabe Dean is destroying everything in his path this year. The last guy to beat him was Nolan Boyd of Oklahoma State. Now, there may have been some underlying factors that uh, Gabe Dean was not maybe on top of his game that day, and he got, got Nolan Boyd the next time around. But, uh, you know, that's also one to watch in that dual meet. So, Uh, Keep an eye on the Cowboys and the Big Red, but uh, that'll do it for this week's breakdown. Thank you again, David Mirkatani, for your time and insights. 
It's always a pleasure, Andy. I appreciate all the help you did for me while I was out of the country. It's much appreciated. If you're listening to us on iTunes, be sure to check out trackwrestling.com. We'll be rolling out our weekly Division One Conference Notebook Series again here soon. We've got a seven-minute interview with Minnesota 197-pounder Brett Farr. If you have some time to burn, check out the video of Monday night's task force meeting at the University of Delaware. The group is exploring the possibility of bringing back Division I wrestling at the school. It's a fascinating look at the factors that come into play when schools consider starting or reinstating a program. If you're listening to us on the Track Wrestling Portal, you can also find us on iTunes through the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll be back again next week. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.